Hello, and welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. My name is Julie Bayfan Balzer, and I believe that curiosity is the key to creativity. Together with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Schubalzer, we ask questions of each other and our guests while discussing learning, the creative career path, finding balance, looking at art, setting goals, and why being creative matters. Our goal is for this podcast to stimulate your imagination. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. So once again, we are back doing a video podcast. I think that's going to be kind of a regular thing. So you were not permanently traumatized and scarred by the last experience. No, but it does take more preparation to make this. (laughs) (laughs) It does take a little bit more, but I think it's worth it. And today we're talking about sketchbooks. Um, And I know a lot of people are confused about sketchbooks or intimidated by sketchbooks because they don't think they're real artists or they just don't know how to begin or whatever it is. But today's podcast is for you if you have sort of questions about sketchbooks. And I know, Mom, when I mentioned that today's um, topic was sketchbooks, you said... Exactly. So it was just <laughs> silence. She was like, I don't know anything about it. So let's just start here. When you think of sketchbooks, what is it that you think of? Like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Somebody sitting in public or maybe on the subway or something doing sketches uh, and not caring that people are looking and judging. Okay, so this gets to so many important things about sketchbooks. I mean, the first thing is what you're really talking about is a visual diary, which is one of the kinds of sketchbooks. So something like uh, I'm showing a picture on the screen, but for people who can't see it, you can come on over to my blog after the podcast is over. and You can check out those photos. Um, But basically, we're talking about drawings of actual things or people or something like that. And and the whole like drawing in public and people not caring, a lot of that is about being concerned that people are judging your drawing or painting ability. And trust me, I feel that. But I think the thing that I've learned along the way about sketchbooks is that, uh, A, there are ways to conceal what you're doing so people can't see it. But B, there are people who are totally rude who will walk up to you and be like, can I see what you're doing? which is weird, right? Because you wouldn't walk up to somebody who was on the phone and be like, can I listen to your conversation? You would just sort of eavesdrop a little bit closer. Uh, But, you know, so it's a little bit odd. But I I think the thing that got me over it the most is realizing that nobody cares. If it's the most beautiful thing in the world, that's not going to change their life. And if it's the most ugly thing in the world, it's not going to change their life. So I'm doing this for me and not for them. So what do I care? You know what I mean? What they kind of think about it. But that was sort of a hard thing for me to get over. Um, and then the other two, yeah. I am clearly thinking that what you're doing in the sketchbook might be a draft of something, yes. not a finished piece. And the whole psychology, for example, of Instagram is that you only put your very best photo up, the one in which you are turned slightly so you look thinner, <laughs> the one in which, you know, it's the perfect sunlight. So the idea of doing a sketchbook, which is a draft in public, is sort of like, having people read the draft of your novel when it's not anywhere near what it's going to be. Yeah. And I think like that's also, there are many kinds of sketchbooks and another kind of sketchbook that is very common, of course, is the sketchbook where we are actually looking at something where you're studying, where you're really thinking about something where it's really definitely not that Instagram worthy, beautiful finished picture. And I think people do get intimidated about sketchbooks because they're used to the really pretty formal, perfect. I think they're finished art 
they're not really sketches. Do you know what I mean? And as opposed to the kind of things that are more like a workbook or a study or something that's a little bit more like that, you know? Um, I always say like, I really think that there are two types of sketchbooks overall, right? There's a visual diary or a travel journal, which is really often public, as you were saying. Not only are you doing it in public, but you're usually posting the pictures or at least at an angle of a detail where it looks pretty. And so people think like, oh my gosh, you just do that every time and it's amazing, right? And well, that's person doing it in public makes yeah. it slightly performative too. It does. It makes it very performative um, versus a workbook, which is something that I think is for practice or planning or experimenting or note taking and is usually very private. And, you know, the example that I'm showing now is of a very small book that I am able to keep in a pocket and a purse. It's very small. And just I just have a pencil to doodle little things. This happens to be from a museum uh, where I was trying to draw. Uh, some of the work that different painters had done to kind of understand how they were constructing the things that they were doing. Just on and a so, side note, I want the bra that that person has. <laughs> it's not me. I'm just telling you. That's how, you know, it was constructed. Um, so I think a lot of times the question that you have to, when people say like they're interested in doing a sketchbook or they want to do the sketchbook, the first thing you have to establish is what kind of sketchbook do you want to do? Do you want to do a visual diary or travel journal? Or are you looking to do a workbook? Because they really are very different things. Um, and, you know, I think we should talk a little bit about that. Um, and by the way, I have to say, Elizabeth left a really nice comment where she said, when I look at other people's work, it is just to admire that they are doing what I would like to be doing. And so that's the other thing. When you feel like people are judging you, looking at what you're doing, instead of thinking, and I think Elizabeth's so smart about this, instead of judging that they're thinking like, oh, you're a good drawer. Oh, you're a bad drawer. I think what they're actually thinking is, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Or how are you doing that? Or can I get closer to this? And I, and I think that's something good to remember. We always think the worst of ourselves and put our insecurities in other people's mouths, right? Because somebody can, you know, say that's odd and suddenly you think they're talking about you when they had nothing to do, you know, with anything. So that's a really good thing to remember. The other thing I'm not, I don't want to take away from your building your point, but I just want yeah. to say when people are sketching in public, somehow there's almost an invitation to conversation as well. Yeah, Which I think that that's true. you don't want, sometimes you do want. So I do think you have to remember the balance here, which is A, you know, no one is like judging you harshly when you're doing it, but B, it is a performative act and you are inviting some kind of conversation there. And if you really want it to be private, then you need to find like a very isolated place to do it, which you can. There are plenty of, you know, parks and nooks and museum places where nobody wants to talk to you. Or you just have to look really unfriendly and unpleasant, you know, <laughs> and then it's totally fine. On the other hand, if you're looking to make connections, you know, sketching is a wonderful way to start a conversation with somebody. People are interested and you might find somebody who's very like minded, you know, uh, with you. And in fact, I, I think there's a huge, wonderful sketching community out there, too, which is a really important thing to point out as well. Um, so I wanted to sort of go through a, a couple sort of tips and ideas of ways that if you're interested in starting a sketchbook, some of the things that you can kind of think about. So the first thing I wanted to mention is that being able to draw is a skill that really anybody can gain. And mom, I know that you and I have talked about this copiously 
over the years, right? That being able to draw, like, yes, there are some people who are born six, seven, so they're naturally better basketball players, right? So there are some people who are naturally able to like think about drawing in some easier ways and it's easier for them, but it doesn't mean that you can't play basketball, you know, if you're an average height person and it doesn't mean that you can't draw even if what you make is stick figures. And I think that's really important to remember and also to remember that drawing photorealistically is not the only way to draw. There are lots of different ways to explore your art supplies and to make pictures. And one of the first things about drawing is practice. You know, and I'm I'm always talking about practice. You know this. I believe that the biggest thing that has ever happened for me in my art life and in my art career is practice has really changed it. And part of that practice is some of the boring stuff. I hate to say that, but it's not just like drawing the sexy, beautiful painting that you see online. It's doing the exploring your different supplies. What kind of marks do they make? You know, what kind of, you know, let's compare all the reds in your collection. Are they different? Are they the same? Are you going to use them for different reasons? Is there a hole? Is there something else that you need? It's, it's really getting to know your supplies, getting to know other, you know, the things that you're using, the paper, how it reacts, like all that kind of stuff. And so I think that is really important to also remember that, you know, you can bring in all this mixed media stuff that we love to do into your drawings. And I try really hard to, you know, treat my sketchbook kind of like my art journal, which is to say, I don't like to have blank pages. So I'll often put down collage or just pools of color or just stuff to get myself started. And then when I draw on top of it, I think more interesting things happen. So just because you see that people seem to start with a blank page, create an amazing drawing in no time at all, fill it with perfect, beautiful watercolor and shadows, that doesn't really mean that that's the only way to do it. You can find a way to do it that is more you, more personal, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we see sketchbooks all the time in museums and stuff like that you know, where artists are trying things and they're, they're usually not pretty at all. You know, it's a workbook. It's a good way of thinking about it. Um, and you know, so, uh, I draw in public. I have some little drawings that I'm showing right now that were drawings I've drawn in public. They're black and white little thumbnail sketches and, you know, Draw, being embarrassed is totally normal. It takes practice to get used to it. If you're a scaredy cat, I have like maybe five tips I'm going to give you. And feel free to interrupt me, mom, if you have any tips too. Okay. Which is one, keep your supplies really simple. So like a pen, a pencil. If you want to get crazy, a pen and a marker. So that you're not bringing as much attention to yourself if you're just using a pen and a notebook, right? Because people aren't looking at this huge pan of, you know, watercolor paints and, you know, all these supplies that are rolling and falling and, you know, all around, right? So you're not attracting attention that way. The other thing is make a book that truly fits in your hand. Something you can hold with one hand that's very discreet. The same way somebody could mistake that you're taking notes, you're doing, you know, something like that. And the other thing is go for short studies. Like if you're going to draw the entire cathedral, you know, or at Montmartre, like you're going to have to sit there for a while to do that. So then people can see you studying and think about it. I wonder, I remember when I was in the theater, a story I heard once of there was a guy who was in the background of a scene at a desk. And so to keep himself busy during the scene, he was just trying to draw the perfect circle. But he, people kept staring at him. So they kept moving him all around the stage and people kept staring at them. And they finally had to tell him to stop because he was so focused on his task that it drew attention. 
we actually are drawn to focus. It's actually an animal thing inside us because if somebody, if you see another human being who's focused on the bushes, then there must be danger or something else there, right? So you're going to look at what they're looking at. Yeah. Or like, I mean, I do this too. Like it happened with the baby the other day. I was in the hallway and I lay on my back and I was looking at the ceiling and he came in and immediately started looking up at the ceiling to see what was there. It's an animal thing in us. We look where other people are looking. So if you are staring for a really long time at something, guess what you're going to do? People are going to look at you because you are working so intently. So if you can focus on small things like a couple leaves, the way some pebbles interact, a quick little branch or a very fast sketch, then you're not drawing the kind of attention because you're kind of moving really quickly, you know, in and out. So those are some of the tips that I use and the things that I use to get people, you know what I mean? Um, not looking at me for a lack of a better way of putting it. And I think it really, really works. Um, I like what June says when she says I can't draw. Um, but when her mind's thinking, she comes out with all sorts of stuff on paper. And I think that's the same thing that's true, which is just remember a sketchbook can be a place to express yourself. It doesn't have to be a place to create your beautiful Da Vinci, you know, piece. And it's also a place to practice and to sort of, you know, get into it. And Tiff says that she wants to draw in the park and she just has to get her nerves up. And I would say, yeah, go for it. You know, it's, it is scary, but if you take some of the ideas that I'm giving you, I think you will bring a lot less attention for yourself and you might get sort of braver and braver and braver as you go. You know, that makes it a little easier. I was thinking one of the things you started doing when you were living in New York was you went out with the New York Sketchers yeah. And you can explain what that group is about and other groups like it all over the, probably all over the world. But I don't know with the quarantine, whether it's those kinds of things have been shut down, but you could do it in a socially distanced way outside wearing a mask. So it may be that it's still functioning. Explain that. They are still functioning. So I used to go out with the Urban Sketchers in New York all the time. And there is one in Boston, which I follow on Instagram. I follow them. So I know that they are active and going out all the time. Um, I just can't seem to make it out of the house with the baby and everything in order to do it. But I'd love to. But there are urban sketching groups all over the world. In fact, I think like they also have conventions every year. Probably not, pardon me, in this last pandemic year. But there were, they have conventions in Brazil and Japan and like all over the world where people come and go to them. And they're a great place. Now, the first time that I went to an urban sketching group, I was so ashamed of my little books. I was so ashamed and humiliated by them. And I just thought, you know, these people can really draw and they're going to know that I am a total fraud and that what I'm making is just a big mess and, you know, nothing that anybody wants to see and just, ugh. And you know what happened was shocked me. They were fascinated because my books weren't what they had seen before. Everybody has seen someone who can draw really well. Everybody has seen somebody who can draw really well. It's actually boring. I'm sorry if you can draw really well, but it's actually boring. If you don't bring your personality to it, it's who says that you did it. It's I mean, I might as well take a photo of it, right? And so there's something really charming and wonderful if you can find something where you are looking at something that's kind of unusual or different. And people were really, what they said to me over and over was they were struck by how much writing was in my book, how I was really journaling with words and journaling with images and how the words were as important to the piece as the images. Because a lot of times for um, sketchers, 
or people who do a lot of these visual diaries, the words are secondary, right? It's all about the sketch and then that's it. And maybe like a date and a couple things. Whereas I like to tell my stories with a little, a lot more text and then a little bit, you know, of painting or words. And I think like one of the things about like why sketch instead of take a photo is because, you know, just by choosing the angle, what do you highlight? What are you looking at? Taking a moment to really see something, you know, makes a really big difference. So I think urban sketchers are great. If anybody out there has, um, you know, an urban sketching group near them, join it. If you don't, you can actually start one. They have on the urban sketching website, like all these tips and information, you know what I mean, on how to do it, which is tell really how cool. it works. You know, how the, tell them how it works. What they yeah. Do. So basically they set up meetings, usually once a week. And you basically, anybody can come, there's no fee, there's no nothing. And you show up to the location and you all draw. They have something they're going to do. It could be at a museum, a park, a school, a library, a coffee shop. And then after you've all drawn, you gather together and you share your books and you get to see all these different styles. You get to hear all these different, you see all the different supplies that people use. You get to, you know, find out all these different things. And I think like that's the thing that was the coolest to me is just the diversity in the group. And also the people are diverse. There's men and women and young and old people who this is very much a hobby, people for whom it's more more of a job, you know, architects who come and draw their pictures one very particular way or who are drawn to particular, you know, particular subjects. I was in a group with a botanist who always drew flowers. It could be, you could be in like the most, you know, steel and glass jungle area where you couldn't even see anything living. And suddenly she would show up with a beautiful sketch of like weeds in a crack in the sidewalk. And you'd be like, how did you see that? Because we're all attracted to the things that we're attracted to. You know what I mean? And that's super exciting to me too. Okay. So uh, the next little tip that I want to um, talk about is actually about this going out to sketch. Because yes, you can sketch in your house and it's great and it's wonderful to practice, but it is good to get out if you can. So putting together a kit is key. And again, like I said, I think what's in your kit is totally up to you. It can be something very small, like a little book and a pencil. It can be a set of watercolors, you know, that are on the go, plus a water brush. Brush is always a great thing to bring with you. Um, you can have pens, you can have erasers. I mean, you can get glue sticks, scissors, collage paper. I mean, how much stuff do you want to bring? But I think like if you have the kit, you're more likely to do it. If your purse already has a notebook with a pencil in it, if your, you know, uh, travel bag already has a Ziploc bag with all your supplies. So I guess what I'm saying is buy more art supplies, meaning like don't have to pull the pieces out of your art stash. Don't have to go to your art stash and get it. It's kind of like, mom, when I started traveling so much, I remember you told me buy a second set of cosmetics. Yeah. Because I kept leaving stuff behind and you were like, just buy a second set of cosmetics, have everything in your go bag and don't, then you just fold up your go bag and go. You don't have to actually like pack, repack it every single time you leave and unpack it every time you come home. And so I think that's so true about the art supplies too, which is make sure that you have your go bag. What is it? And you could have like, I have, I often reach into a coat pocket and discover a sketchbook and a pencil 
you know, stuck in there. And that's great because it means that I'm always going to have it. You know, I throw my sketchbook kit into my beach bag, into my airplane bag, into my, you know, now that I have a little baby, it's a little bit tougher to find the time to just sit still and do it. But nonetheless, you can make the time to really get there and do it. So I think it's really about finding like your favorite supplies, those kinds of things you like, you know, whether you're working in watercolor or marker or whatever it is, and you're just sort of, you know, relaxing and enjoying that time, it makes, I will say this, I've never drawn something and then not remembered that moment. I think that's one of the things that I like so much um, about the whole visual diary. And you can get an amazing amount of stuff into a very small kit, you know, sketchbook, watercolors, pencils, eraser, pencil sharpener, pens, like all of it can actually fit in a very small kit. So um, you can find out also from museums and stuff like that what they're willing to have you bring in because some museums are like pencil only or, you know, et cetera, because they don't want you drawing on the art. You also can find watercolors like peerless watercolors that are actually made of paper basically. So they're dry and you kind of activate them as you go, which is kind of a cool thing too. So there are a lot of different options in terms of gathering a great um, sketchbook kit together for yourself. Uh, I know you don't necessarily make art, mom, but you are definitely a kit and efficiency person. Do you have any thoughts or tips on that? Aside from my brilliant thing about getting two sets of cosmetics, I, I yes, it is brilliant. Uh, if you are stuck thinking what you want it to turn out as, probably a sketchbook is the wrong place to do it because a sketchbook yes. is like impressions. It is a very first draft of something. It's as if you are, like if you're a food critic and you go out to the restaurant and you immediately think you have to write your entire review instead of taking a few notes while you sample the food, um, I think then you'll be in the wrong place. It's for giving, it's for putting down whatever impressions, words or pictures will lead you to remember those thoughts and how it felt in the moment. It's very much in the moment. It is. I think I agree with that completely. And I think like one of the beautiful things about a sketchbook uh, is I think it's, it was Milton Glaser. I went to a lecture and he said, you never really see anything until you draw it. Because you, when you draw something, you really have to think about relationships. You really have to see all the details. You really have to think about sort of everything. And you also sort of are able to figure out, like we've talked about before, what is actually interesting to you about what you're looking at. And so that's very helpful. I mean, sometimes I've heard the advice that you should actually sketch your art that you're having trouble with because it will then help you figure out what the problem is because you actually have to learn, like back, learn, back, learn. Can that be a word? You have to relearn something like that about like how you actually put it together. What might have been sort of an improvisational or not really thought about mark. Then you have to analyze why is that there? And that kind of changes it. And I thought that was such an interesting, thoughtful approach to the process and, and really makes you think of sketching again as a tool in a kind of different way. Um, and I will say that I have lots of posts on my blog, by the way, if anybody's looking for ideas about like 
what to wear when you're going urban sketching, what my kit consists of, like how you do all this stuff, you know, um, because I've been doing this actually for quite some time. It was one of my favorite travel pastimes in the old days when I used to travel, um, is to take my sketchbook with me. And I do want to mention that I am teaching an online sketchbook class called Sketchbook Habit, Keeping a Visual Diary. It's a self-paced class. Um, you can find it in my online classroom at balzerdesigns.com and you can use the code podcast me to get 15% off. That offer is good until July 10th, 2021. Um, but I think it's going to be a really good one and it takes you through all the stuff we're talking about, plus more about how to get started, you know, how to um, gather your stuff to go outside, how to gather your courage, you know, how to draw. We go through sort of step by step and we're, it's really more focused on keeping a visual diary than it is on sketchbook as workbook. I think that's a very separate class, but it's really very much unlike what do you do when you want to record things? What do you do when you, you know, wanted like really study how something, you know, is put together a building or your scissors or sort of whatever it may be. So I'm excited about that. That class starts on um, July 17th. So soon, soon, soon. Okay. So um, the other thing that I wanted to say is the best way to start. Do you know what the best way to start is, mom? Buy your supplies. <laughs> The best way to start is to start. And it actually means even if you don't have supplies, like the best way to start is you got a piece of paper and a pen somewhere in your house. If you don't have a sketchbook, who cares? If you don't have fancy drawing tools, who cares? Like just start drawing something. It may be terrible. I mean, I personally believe that we all have thousands of terrible drawings in us. And the sooner you get them out, then you can kind of get to the good stuff. And just remember this about drawing, which is advice that anybody will tell you. When you draw things, you're not actually drawing the object. Like if you sat down to draw scissors, don't try to draw a pair of scissors. Look at the scissors and think about what shape is this hole? What shape is this blade? Oh, it's just a triangle. What shape? You know, you're just looking at different shapes disassociated from the fact that they may actually be a pair of scissors or anything else. So that's, I think, a really good and important way, you know, to think about it. Um, you know, Tiff says that she gets lost when she's creating. How long should I sit and draw in the park? You know, she's wondering. And I think like I think that's up to you. I think that's up to you when we talk about, you know, starting. It's do you I often start a drawing outside and then I finish it outside, you know, or I finish, I finished outside, I finish it inside. So I may like start to sketch something or get kind of a quick idea. And then when I actually grab my watercolors and everything, I'm inside. So I think it's like, if you have a lot of time, I've spent three or four hours outside. If you have a little time, then you can grab 15, 20 minutes, get something down and keep moving. It's again, totally completely up to you. Um, and Gail, I'm going to give you some encouragement and say, yes, you definitely do need to gather some courage to sketch in public. It's, it can be a little bit weird, but remember, you know, pick something that's not going to move for your first few times. You know what I mean? Like don't pick a person or don't pick, you know, a car, like go ahead and pick a stationary object. And that will just make everything a little bit easier too, I think. Um, and just remember, you know, starting is the hardest part. It's people tell this to me all the time about exercise and I never listen. 
because I just don't feel like starting. But I do believe them that starting is the hardest part because that's the part I never get past. And so the same thing is true here about a sketchbook, which is sometimes you just need to start. Um, and then you'll sort of figure out where you are. And remember that again, like you're capturing a moment, a feeling. I like what you said so much about it being ephemeral because I think that that is so true. Um, that I think sketchbooks more than art journals for me. Art journals feel like even though they kind of started as a workbooky place, they've become much more of the art journal is the art, you know, um, and it is does feel a little more formal to me. Um, and a visual diary also has some formality in it, where again, it's performative and you have this like finished thing, whereas a sketchbook where you're just sort of thinking through things is a little more like a loose thought. And just also remember that drawings that may like look very fancy are actually not. You can do a lot with like two lines and a circle. You can do a lot with like tiny little sketchy touches. You can do a lot with a little. And it just is a matter of sort of giving it a try. Okay. So mom. Uh-oh. I know. again. Yes. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is because you're not a person who necessarily makes art, but I know that you're a person who sort of thinks about art and you've seen a lot of exhibits and you've seen a lot of, you know, sort of what I've done over time. You've certainly been on a lot of the trips where I've sketched. You know, I'm wondering if for someone who isn't necessarily a maker, do you think do you think that sketchbooks have sort of a place in your, you know, in your thoughts, in your mind, in your life, and anything like that? Or is it kind of like this thing that other people do? Well, the first thing I think of when you talk about travel diaries is Victorians who used to always paint when they went abroad and capture the memories that way. And what I'm thinking is that for me, the photo from my iPhone has become somewhat the equivalent. It gives you something to remember the moment and it gives you something to share madly, you know, with everyone, whether they want to see it or not. However, I do think that the appealing thing about a sketchbook is it takes a whole lot more time and you are more in control of the image as opposed to a camera where, yes, you're setting, you know, the distance and all this stuff, but really the camera's doing a lot of the work. Um, I like the idea of taking the time, but I, I think people maybe had more time too. They weren't going to a uh, hundred different things in a day. They were sitting maybe uh, next to a little river or in a cafe and they were taking the time to really look and think. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's appealing to me, but in one of the commodities that is most valuable is time these days. Actually, just now, before this podcast, I was brushing my teeth, and I was thinking about the fact that brushing your teeth is one of the few times in the day when you just concentrate on what you're doing. You know, it's sort of like taking a shower unless you're listening to an educational podcast or something at the same time, but, and people don't come in and try to have a conversation with you, so you're, you have these stolen moments of brushing your teeth. Um, and you don't feel like you're wasting time unless you're really, you really have a problem. Uh, and that it's rare nowadays. 
to have that time when you just concentrate on the one thing you're doing. I'm so often trying to multitask. I'm emptying the dishwasher, but I'm also listening to the radio, you know, to the news or, or I'm driving somewhere, but again, the radio or I'm having a conversation with someone on the phone. I think it's very, very rare in our modern life that we sit and have this time where it's just our brain and ourselves. Uh, maybe in the pandemic quarantine, people have done it more. Uh, maybe it's something they've discovered. I think that's what a lot of people use things like yoga or meditation for. It's almost like creating a bubble around themselves for that moment where they can just be with their thoughts. And I, I, I think that's maybe what sketching could be like for some people. Yeah, I think a visual diary where you're really like looking at things and sketching them and thinking about them has in many cases transformed um, sort of situations, vacations in particular. I can remember like instead of reading a book, I sat by the pool and sketched the people who were there. And as much as I might've enjoyed that book and that I love reading, there was something so much more meaningful about having that drawing of those people sitting at the pool because the memory in a way is burned into my brain. I think in a way that it wouldn't have been had I simply enjoyed myself with a book. So there is something about it. Um, you know, I have always said that I listen better when I'm drawing or writing or doodling or something like that. Like my brain turns on when my hands are doing something. So if I'm in a meeting, I'm not being rude when I'm not really looking at you because I actually hear you better. And so I think like that's part of what happens for me with drawing is that I go into a kind of zone where I am more in tune with my surroundings. I'm listening more acutely to the birds. I'm, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hearing every little thing. I'm smelling the smells. It, I just feel sort of draped in it in a way that I don't necessarily otherwise. So I think like that's a huge slowdown thing for me. And I also think the thing that I like so much about, um, you know, doing these sketchbooks is that I have thousands of photos in my phone and I love them and I'm glad that I have them, but getting through them is crazy. Whereas I don't have thousands of pages in a sketchbook. So like one precious sketch from this event and one little sketch from that meal and, you know, one little sketch of that, you know, sign somewhere, like all that stuff, it, it becomes sort of more meaningful, more poignant. It, it sort of almost has more in it, which I really like too. And then I think, you know, the reason that I started life in many ways as a scrapbooker is because I really enjoy memory keeping. And I, I truly enjoy, you know, that whole process of thinking about what it is you want to celebrate and then thinking through how to tell the story about it and then kind of, you know, bringing that story out. And I think I carried a lot of that into art journaling. It's why I do a, a lot of writing in my journals as opposed to just art. Obviously, I do a lot of writing in my sketchbook too, because I think all of that for me is the same thing. It's like, I want to celebrate this little moment. I want to live in this little moment and think about, you know, what it means. And, and there is something uh, about um, stopping to smell the roses, being in the moment, like all those things that I think sketchbooks do for me. So as always, a very smart point, mom. Smarty, smarty. 
Um, okay, so the only other thing that I really think is important to kind of mention about um, sketchbooks is one of the biggest things that people, I think, sort of wonder about is sharing the pages. Because while, because I mean, of course, you see them online, so that becomes part of it. But one of the things that happens, I think, when you are working on something and thinking about sharing it while you're working on it is that every decision becomes fraught. Because every decision is kind of like make it or break it. And every moment is kind of like a bigger deal than it should be, you know? And so because of that, I really encourage people like, when you're in your sketch journey, you know, fill a sketchbook before you decide what you want to share from it. That way you're distanced enough from your expectation of the drawing or you're distanced enough from your, um, you know, uh, feelings of sort of inadequacy or whatever's happening in there. And you're not so like worried about every drawing, how it's going to turn out because the idea is sort of the aggregate, you know, over time will get there. So if you can keep it inside, and trust me, I'm a sharer. I like to share every single thing that I make, but I don't, but it's hard because I want to. Um, you know, then try to just get yourself through a book or at least through like five to 10 pages before you even think about sharing. Because I don't, I think that once that's in your mind, even if you're at home by yourself, to use a word that you used earlier, mom, it becomes performative. The other thing is, I was just thinking that each little sketch, is sort of like a poem. Mm. You know, there's a lot more thought in it than just taking a photograph, I think. A lot more effort and time and choices. And so you feel that what you're, when someone shares a sketch with you from their sketchbook, it's almost like they're giving you a tiny little peek into their lives, into their psyches. And I like that. I like that idea. So you don't have to share. It can be a totally different, you know, purpose for you. But when someone shows me their sketchbook, I really feel like uh, they've given me a gift. You know who has a wonderful sketchbook? Uh, what's the name of the person who works for Sakura Pens? Who has oh, just a fantastic sketchbook. And when I look at her, sketches each one again it's like a little gift to me that she's sharing it it's a lot better than if she had shown me a bunch of photographs in an album yeah so that's janet takahashi you should look her up anybody who's out there um she has wonderful sketchbooks she teaches i know a lot of sketchbook classes and i have gone to many meals where she draws her meal before she actually, you know, sits down to eat because that's part of like her practices. How fast can she get it if she wants to get to the food? And, you know, she's been drawing for 30 years, 40 years. So like, she's very, very accomplished, but you know, she talks about it all the time that it's just a matter of like practice and developing it and all that kind of stuff. And I really think that that's true. Um, I, I, I think that, you, we all have to find our way into a sketchbook. There is no sort of like one way that works for everybody. You know what I mean? Part of developing a sketchbook habit, which is what I titled this podcast, is really about learning what works for you. Are you a person who needs to make every page beautiful and full of color? Do you know what I mean? Well, then can you break that down so that you don't have to do it all in one sitting? Because that could be a two-hour sitting, right? 
can you break it down so that you do like the drawing today, the, you know, some of the painting tomorrow and then finish up on the next day? Or can you find a quicker way of getting the color on that you don't have to wait for it to dry? Like instead of watercolors, can you use markers instead of, or colored pencil or, you know what I mean? Like, are you a person who doesn't want to have to go out in public and have a lot of supplies? So the way that it's going to become a habit for you is to have like a matchbook sized book, quite literally, you want a tiny pen and just do a tiny sketch. You know, are you a person who lives in, I don't know, Antarctica? And so you can't go outside. You know what I mean? And so it's, or sometimes Arizona in the summer, I'd also say can't go outside. You know, so it's like you need to stay inside. So you need to find things that are interesting to you in your environment or learn how to work from photos or any of that kind of stuff. So I do think that sketchbooks kind of work for everybody, but you have to find the way that works for you. And I think the reason a lot of people drop Doing a sketchbook is because it gets too difficult. The book's too big. The expectations are too high. You know, you sort of are expecting, you know, something to happen to you or something instead of keeping it like small, easy, casual, and not like a totally big deal. So that's kind of um, at least what has worked for me is not making it, you know, insane. I'm wondering um, what the baby's going to think when he gets older. And he sees you sketching things. I wonder if it's going to change the way he looks at the environment. Well, I think you always end up doing, you know, I mean, uh, I think I talked about this before, but I, I, I hated it when you took us to museums, mom, when I was a kid and I was always so bored. And you're you, welcome. You're, <laughs> thank you. And you read every single label in every museum which I was always like, oh my God, can we not leave and go? And this is horrible, right? And of course now I do that too. And I think- You have a game? Yes, we did. We had a game where we would, would to keep ourselves from going crazy. We would try to find the ugliest thing in the room and then that would be, you know, finally we found it. Hurrah, let's move on. Um, but the thing is like, I think you don't necessarily appreciate things when you're a kid and you see your parents do them, but like later on in life, you were, it's, it's in your, it's in you, it's in your DNA, it's in your whatever. So like you come back to it, you know? And so I certainly think that my son may not, I hope he's a drawer. I hope he likes art. I hope he likes all those things. But if he doesn't, I hope that like in some way it will stay with him, you know, um, as he gets older and maybe in later life, he'll discover that he, he likes to closely observe things. He does very like to closely observe things now. He just doesn't necessarily, he's, he's more in the scrawling phase than in the drawing, but we have stared at a lot of rocks. So I know that he likes to look at things and think about them. I will say, actually, that's something that motherhood taught me. I remember when he was really tiny and an infant and holding him late, you know, th the, one of those fun three in the morning feedings um, and being able to observe things so carefully. There wasn't any way to get to a pencil, but I remember like I can remember the light coming through the window. I can remember the moon that I could see just beyond. I can remember, you know, the way that the tree looked and thinking, oh, if I could get a photo of this, it's so pretty. I remember, you know, and those things are 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 etched in my mind because again, I had that time to do careful observation when I couldn't do anything else but hold that baby and sort of look at what was there. And I'm in a dark room, you know what I mean, with an open window. So what I'm doing is looking out the window and it's it really was a study, you know, in observation. So you know, he's observing so. right now in the way that he reads books because he doesn't read words, right? And he doesn't necessarily 
get it totally into the story, but each page, he looks very closely at the pictures and picks out certain things, and he's really observing. So I, I we'll see what happens, but it's interesting to watch his journey here. But this is, again, like, he's very stubborn about what he's interested in. Like, there could be 100 drawings on a page, but if there's a star, he's immediately pointing to the star, right? And so he's not ashamed that he's interested in the things that he's interested in. But I think somehow as we become adults, we're like, oh, I draw too many stars. I should do something else. And it's like, why? If that's what you're interested in, I always say, like, go after the things you're interested in. If you want to draw, you know, every daisy from here to Kalamazoo, like rock on, you know, if you only want to draw, you know, the dogs you see or bricks, or I don't, I don't know what it is like, get on with your obsessed self. Like, I think, I think we too often get into our brains and our heads about shoulds and like what would be better for you and stuff like that. And I think the, one of the wonderful things about art is art allows us to be greedy in some great ways and to really like go after the things we want. I want color. I want circles. I want, you know, I want that feeling of fecundity sort of around me all the time in my art. That's what I strive to create, you know? And I think like, that's okay. I don't have to force myself to do other things if I don't want to. I think, you know, you're always improving within your area, I hope, and like reaching for better stars and bigger stars and different stars and all that kind of stuff. But you can still stay with the stuff that you're really passionate about. And that's a good reminder. Always, always, always. See, I learned so much from being a mom, which is kind of like how I learned so much from being a teacher. Every time I teach a class, I definitely learn a lot from it too. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on sketchbooks? I know we have a couple questions in the comments that I wanted to sort of zing to. And they may lead us somewhere. Okay, so Diane says, uh, what journal for what? Do you carry them all around? Art journal versus sketchbook versus practice journal? I get paralyzed deciding what goes where. So the answer is no, 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 no. Uh, I don't carry them all around. I would never carry them all around. And I wouldn't, so I would never carry my art journal around. My art journal is heavy as heck. I used to take it on a trip in my suitcase. Um, but then I, it has to be in your hotel room. It's just too big. I, I never take a book that's larger than like, I don't know, five by seven ish. Like that's the biggest book that I take anywhere because once I can't hold it in one hand, it's not useful in my opinion. Um, and then I think in terms of what journal for what, that's like a mental thing that you just have to decide, you know, what is your art journal about? What is your sketchbook about? What is your practice journal about? And I think like in terms of getting paralyzed, make yourself a list, label it. Do you know what I mean? So I can tell you what I do. And if that uh, hopefully will be helpful to you. So my art journal is always going to be where I write brain dump thoughts about my day, you know, stuff like, I ate this for breakfast and I had a dream in which I was running from a bear and then I, you know, was a rocket ship narwhal or whatever, you know? Um, and that sort of is like, and then I like to make art in between the random thoughts about my day. You're out of focus. If you could just get yourself back. I'm out of focus. Wow. Um, and then I like to, um, also use a lot of like acrylic paint and stuff like that in my art journal, which I don't tend to do other places. My sketchbook or my visual journal is pretty exclusively watercolor observations from life, meaning things around my desk or other things like that. I tend to 
never really use it in my studio. That tends to be outside only. I tend to work in small moleskin journals or little books that I make myself out of drawing paper. And then my sketchbooks that are like my workbooks or my practice journals, those tend to be really big. So one of my smaller ones is nine by 12, but I like a big size because again, those ones tend to stay in the studio with the small exception of I have some very small, like three by five sketchbooks that fit in a, like a breast pocket or a back pocket. And those ones I just shove in like coat pockets and stuff like that. So I probably at the, any given moment probably have like 15 to 20 books in my house that are being used for various art purposes and I don't sweat it. Sometimes an art journal page ends up in a sketchbook. Sometimes a sketchbook page ends up in a, you know, cause it's the book that you have is the best book. So, I mean, maybe that's another way of thinking about it. The book that you have is the best book that you have, you know, well, you, say you can't take a page out of one book and glue it into another. Yeah. That's also true. Um, so Jan asks, do you analyze this later, the sketches? So I think the thing is, it depends what kind of person you are. So in my workbook, I do. In my visual journal, I don't. Not really. You know, and in my art journal, never. And I think like that's up to you how much you want to get into it. But my workbook is a workbook. So it's meant to be analyzed later. My visual journal is a journal and like criticizing myself over it isn't helpful to me because I don't do it as a fine art, hang up these things in a gallery. I do it as a personal expression of capturing moments in my life. For me, it's memory keeping, it's scrapbooking without scrapbooking, it's drawing the picture, writing the text. That's what a visual journal is for me. So because of that, I never really analyze it. It's, I don't think it would be useful to me because in order for me to encourage myself because remember, I still have so many insecurities, we all do, you know, about um, our art. In order for me to like keep doing, it needs to feel fun and easy and analyzing it and going back would not feel fun and easy. It would feel like then it would become work. So I think for me, that's why I don't do that. And the same with my art journal. I want that to be fun, a place to dump my thoughts, to dump my colors, to just sort of dump. That sounded really bad just to kind of dump things uh, and then, you know, let the other place be something else. Um, Mom, do you have any thoughts on that? No, because I don't do that. But I will say that you have to, it. you just have to let go of not only other people's judgment, but your own judgment. Yes, you yes. Stop, you have to stop thinking about that. And it's the experience of doing it that makes it sketching to me. Yeah, I think that's so important to say. It's the imp it's the experience of doing the sketching that makes it I don't know, that makes it special, that makes it wonderful. It's not actually what you're left with. I mean, we talk a lot about process and product. And I think that sketching and is one of those places where it is so much about process. So I think like especially for a visual diary, you know, a workbook, it's like you're working towards a product and that's fine. But for me in a visual journal, I'm not working towards a product. I'm capturing a moment and I'm keeping it close to my, 
self. Do you know what I mean? And then I'm sort of moving on. Now, have I gotten better at drawing over time? Yes, because guess what? Drawing is a skill to be learned. I'm going to scream it from the rooftops. Drawing is a skill to be learned. It's not a God-given, you know, talent. And so you absolutely can learn how to do it. And so that's a huge thing, which is I've just gotten better because I've practiced, you know? Um, Anyway, I do want to mention that um, if you like this podcast, one of the things that's really helpful to us is if you become a monthly member to help the show and help my family out. There are three basic membership tiers. You can be a basic member, uh, which is $5.99 a month. You get a, an hour-long live stream where I answer all art questions, do tons of demos, lots of stuff like that. There's a, a vlog about my uh, life. You get to come sort of backstage with me and my family. And then there's a real-time video where you get to see some sort of art project being made in real time. Um, there are two levels above that where you get all sorts of fun stuff. Make a member, you get SVGs, printable downloads. There's a studio vlog, which is really about um, process videos backstage in the studio. The super learner level where you get a live quick group, which I think people think is intimidating, but it's really just like getting private coaching on your artwork. We usually only have like two people in the crit group any given month. So it really is like looking at your work and getting some suggestions and ideas, which is kind of exciting. You also get access to 16 of my work at your own pace classes, including the entire getting started bundle and my junk journal classes, which is like a three or $400 value. So I hope that you will check those out. So before we wrap up, mom, is there anything else that you would like to add? No, but it, you're you're almost motivating me to try sketching. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad to hear that. And Sandy, who has been a guest on our podcast, the very talented Sandy McTier, says that your is your quote is the quote of the day. You've got to let go of other people's judgment as well as your own, and that a hundred percent hits home. I think we are all harder on ourselves than anybody else ever could be. So, good thought, mom. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up and I just want to remind you that there is a discount code for the new class and that is good through July 10th, 2021. It is podcast me to get 15% off. Um, you can find me at juliebalzer.com or on Instagram as Balzer Designs. If you'd like to take a class, go ahead and sign up for that at balzerdesigns.com. I also offer private coaching. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review, mention us on social media, give us a thumbs up. Uh, or door. I'm so okay. sorry. There you go. Real life. Okay. Sorry. And all of those things help find the show. So thanks so much for listening and subscribing. And we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs>